0: Hi and welcome, you're listening to Get Into Your Skin podcast, where we talk anything and everything skincare and mental health. Each week, we will explore inner and outer beauty at the intersection of a medically informed point of view and the curiosity of a skincare amateur. Speaking of which, I am one of your hosts, Isabella Torrios, here to ask the questions you, the audience, might have, especially the dumb questions you might be too embarrassed to ask your dermatologist or have Googled countless of times to arrive at it's all turtle's and turtles. Um, this is our second episode, um, which is very exciting, and I'm excited to introduce my co-host, Dr. Kumar Nadan, a medical doctor currently completing his dermatology residency in Chicago, which you just took your board, so.
1: It went well. I, I took <laughs> one part of uh, practice boards. Oh, okay, you know.
0: okay. <laughs> okay, um, He's a San Francisco native, a board member of the Chicago Dermatology Society, and an avid researcher in skin of color. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, super excited. Okay,
0: so today we will be talking about how to get the most out of your dermatology visits, um, your relationship with your dermatologist and all of that good stuff. Um, So why why did you want to do this episode?
1: Oh, because I have had this burning question about Three or four times a day for the last year, and I finally get to answer or get some insights from the other side.
0: I'm glad, I'm glad. So I'm going to start off by talking about my two most recent dermatology visits because they were two very different visits, and I think they can sort of like shed some light on like the questions that one one might have. Um, so the first time was about over a year ago, and I had just heard through you actually, um, through texting and through like the grapevine of the internet that retinoids or retinoids were good Retinoid. for staying young. I Yeah, you, you should tell me with the, the terminology because like I started spending like $60 on these like non-prescription. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more expensive. I was going for the cheap ones. Like retinols and putting them on my face. Um, and then you said you should do the prescription one um I went to the dermatologist and I was like I want a retinal prescription because I would like to look like a fetus if possible um (laughs) my mom hates hates it when I say
1: that
0: (laughs) she's like can you just say baby I'm like no I want to be like (laughs) extra young um but and he just said sure like he this was during the pandemic um he asked me to pull down my face covering for three seconds and then okay and then gave gave me the prescription and he was super nice. I was like, Do you have any questions? Um, and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you ask? Um, so let's talk about that. Like, when you go to the ter- dermatologist for sort of a checkup routine visit, what are some good questions to ask your doctor? Like, should I have told him, like, hey, I want to look like a fetus, what should I be doing?
1: That's a I think a very common scenario that a lot of people run into, and especially during the pandemic, and I too would like to look like a fetus, so I think I've had that interaction myself on the other side, Uh, and I think when you start with, when you go to get this, I think you went about the right way, and you achieved your goal, right? You knew what you wanted to get, and you got it, so I think, first off, hats off to you, because I think a lot of people get to the system, and they then they had a lot rougher go in order to get through it. And then, uh, so, okay. So I want to go the other ramp because what I've been super curious about uh, from a doctor's point of view is what the patient is thinking about when they come in and how they, if they have something in mind, like wanting to get a retinoid, what do they plan to talk about when you were going to go in? What was it your head did you have a script did you have a okay if he says this then I'm going to say this and then he's going to say this and I'm going to say this or did you have a open curiosity how were you going to go about that or how did you go about it
0: okay so it's funny I like didn't know what to expect I thought so in college getting an ADHD prescription was something that you could rehearse for that <laughs> you had a script right Right. So I was kind of prepared that way. And like, should I say I've dealt with acne? Like, do I need to justify this prescription? Um, So there was like some fear that I wouldn't get what I wanted. But Mm -hmm. also, I think it's just like when someone asks you, like, do you have any questions? And you do, but you're just, it's it's intimidating. And I don't know if this is... um, At the time I didn't have Kaiser, I have Kaiser now, but this was, um, I think it was a private practice. I had this weird insurance that had like super high deductibles. but then you could go see whoever, and I was in LA and I was like, I'm gonna go to this doctor who makes people beautiful. So when I was there, there were so many pamphlets on like treatments and injections and facials Mm that I had no idea. And I kind of wanted to ask like, what do you recommend for me? Like just overall? But Phil yeah. kind of like, he's gonna think that's a stupid question. So I didn't. I was like, thank you. No, that's it. He asked me if I wore sunscreen. <laughs> I said yes. And then he did, he did tell me, like, um, you know, when you do retinol, start off like every other day, do it at night, or sunscreen, like all these things that I had already like Googled and I knew about the, I, okay, so I knew about the retinal uglies. Um,
1: what are the retinal uglies?
0: that basically when you start off your skin can get like really red and splotchy um and yeah yeah
1: I did not know they were called that very cool I like that name
0: yeah and I knew about them but it was kind of like uh, yeah like scared to ask like he's gonna be like you call those a retinol but I I was already prepared like okay I'm gonna be hideous for two months this is a pandemic it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) so I was just like okay I'll prepare for it to like burn um, and he did say like you know if it really burns don't do it every night or if it really burns do moisturizer than retinol so he mm-hmm. was definitely very helpful in that way and always wear spf then after that i was just kind of like um didn't know and this was one of the questions that i had for later it's like when you go to a dermatologist can you be like can you check my body for skin cancer or weird moles like is doing like a yeah. full, full body checkup a thing or not? And it's just like, okay, got the retinol, like, bye. Like,
1: I don't know what you guys. Yeah. Need- where do you start? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you start? What you can ask for? You know, I, I think, I think the system is a system and there's so many parts to it and you never know what you're going to get. You never know who's going to be on the other side, what kind of mood they're in, what they're going through. It's so hard to predict. I think, uh, Dermatology is pretty beautiful and that I found that most doctors are very ready. Most dermatologists, I'll say, not doctors, most dermatologists are ready where they show up through the door and they are ready to get on your team. And I think as anybody looking for any type of help in any field, not just medicine, but financially or emotionally or anything, I think you got to find somebody who's on your team. And it's hard to know that if that person is going to be on your team or how much they're going to be fighting and what they're fighting for and and that's why I think that it would be wonderful if you had some information about your doctor before you went saw the person Like if they had something online and you could say this is their philosophy this is how they talk this is what they're into I think that is a wonderful first sign because they're willing to put themselves out there and especially in this day and age you shouldn't go into a Wizard of Oz and just take whatever information the person on the other side gives you, right? It's, it's hard. I think it's so so difficult when we're given information all day at our fingertips to go into a room and to, and to listen to somebody. And I, and I still think that there's, there's wonderful information on the other side of that. It's just a lot to expect of a person to walk in because you're afraid and you're there for a situation. And uh, I think if you, uh, go in with that fear it could be taken advantage of because ultimately that time that you are paying for or that you are paying the system to pay for is your time it is your time the person on the other end should be there for you and you are the center of that focus and that meeting and so knowing that it should go as you would like. That, and granted, that is still another person. It is not a time to yell or get mad at the person or abuse them, but it is your time in a healthy way to focus on you. And, and in that regard, I have some patients. You always hear when you're supposed to go to a doctor, or maybe when you're younger, that the doctor is going to be your best friend and know everything about you and your family and all that stuff. I actually practice to know the person and nothing else beyond them. Granted, I'm not general practice but I am there for you you and your skin. I don't want to know anything else. I want to be as efficient as possible and do everything I can to make you as happy as you can be with your skin and make your skin as happy as it can be with you. And so that combination is is my only focus, um, but we still have to figure out how to get there.
0: Okay. Have, That's the hard part. I have so many questions, uh, so many points. Yeah, so please. Once the, just more of the, The most recent one that you made, which is like, you want to know about the patient. And I know we talked um, last episode where you asked, like, you know, how is this other stuff in your life that could be creating stress? Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt a little bit like a failure (laughs) when the doctor was like, do you have any questions? And I was like, no. Like, how much should, not should, but like, how much could a doctor ask me instead, like, oh, like, how much time do you go out in the sun? Or like, is there any skin cancer in your family or like did how when was your last checkup like he mm-hmm. didn't really do that which I think again could be part of like if you're part of an HMO where preventative care is like um like emphasize versus him he was like the Beverly Hills doctor <laughs> um yeah. like which is great but like I think he was more like oh okay you you're happy with how you look chill you you, you can go home um, so I just wonder, like, how much, especially with different populations who have different levels of education, how much do you want to ask them versus them offering up information?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good question, I think. If people come to me, I, I, I'd like to see it as a dance, where, in this scenario, uh, where I want you to lead. And I think at moments when I have more knowledge to provide us as a team, I wanna lead. And so in the beginning, I think you lead. I think I open the floor to you and it's your chance to take control and say, okay, I would like to fix this one problem and I don't wanna concentrate on anything else and I just wanna take care of my acne or I just wanna take care of the scar and I wanna move forward. And then we can take care of everything else. Maybe that's another conversation, but." That's what I want to do first. Or I have patients who come to me and they're like like what you were thinking in your head that you may ask, what can I do? What, what, what do you offer? And, and they don't ask it in such an open question. They say, I had some cancer in my family. I'm worried about my skin. And, and we take it from there. And then it goes, it's like, okay, let's just see what you got going on. And we're just doing a general checkup. And then we can go from there. And so depending on how focused the person makes it, I know where to start because ultimately there's so much that is good for a person, but I don't know how much of it is good for you at this moment.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then, so I think as, as women, we've been sort of conditioned to know a lot about how we should be checking up on our bodies. Like, I think the recommendation is that once you get your first period, you should go to the gynecologist and then um, it's always changing. I think women under 24 or something should get checked and have a pap smear. They should get a pap smear like every three years. Um, (laughs) It's so funny that I'm like, we know so much. And now I'm like, wait, I don't remember. I just know that I go to the gynecologist like once a year at least. Um, Yeah that sometimes they recommend doing a a pap smear, um, depending on how long it's been since I had it. Um, They, they do a breast exam when they do like a full checkup, and then they tell us like how to do it ourselves so that we can like constantly be on the lookout for lumps. And there's just all these guidelines that I can go online and be like, what are the guidelines for getting checked up? I don't think there is one for Or maybe there is, and you you should tell me what they are, but like, what are the guidelines for like, should you only go to the dermatologist once a year if there's skin cancer in your family? Or should everyone be going every five years? Like, is there any guidelines? Or is it just like, oh, you have something on your skin, like go get checked out?
1: That's a great question. And, And that's a question that I can tell you that if there are guidelines, I have not read them. Okay. And, and for that reason, there are a lot of guidelines that people publish, but it is what is practical. And I think it is impractical to tell every single person to get a skin exam every single year. I don't think there are enough providers. I I think, I think everybody deserves one, but I think there's not enough providers at times and also not all of us get skin cancer. And I practically have no risk of skin cancer, nor I do not know anybody in my family. And I have a large Indian family and nobody has skin cancer that I'm aware of. Heart disease, we have lots of heart disease uh, because Indian vessels are 33% thinner than a lot of American vessels. So, so I think that's incredible. Uh, but we, And they have a lot of very sweet sweets, uh, but they uh, but we don't have a lot of skin cancer. So I think it's impractical. So. But if you're very white and you're or if you're Irish or Catholic and I'm in Chicago now and there's plenty Irish and Catholics and Polish, they're very fair skinned and they have a high risk. And so they already know to come in. Oftentimes they'll wow. know to come in or when they come in, I will have a high suspicion. You're Like, OK, look, you're going to be dealing with this at some point oh my uh, God, I versus. To laugh. Yeah, Yeah. everybody has their own has their own problems right for for us oftentimes as we get darker we don't get skin cancer and for them their problems they can't tan but they get skin cancer and so uh but they look fair which would grass is always greener and the asian population would think that's nicer but i think uh i think there is there's so much out there in terms of information that you gotta trust the Provider, I hope the provider narrows it down to what is for you. And now I I think it's super interesting. You you talk about all the regular checks that you do as a female Mm -hmm. for your body and for everything you're warned about and what's provided. And I'm sitting here thinking, I haven't been to the doctor in two years and I don't think there's any reason for a guy to get a mandatory check till they're 50 at which point they need to get colorectal cancer screening regularly. But till then, I have no HPV screening, I have no mammograms, or lump screening, I I am not educated in that same way to do for my body what you do for yours. It's, it's
0: funny, because I think that, quote, unquote, women have a lot of moving parts. (laughs) Um, Especially like we go through like the life cycles, right? Like, when we get our parents around 13, 12, whatever, and then most, not, I don't even know about most, but the medical institution thinks that women, most women will want to get pregnant. So then there's that part and then there's menopause. So there's all these reasons why we need to go get checked out. And I'm gonna, back in college, I took a class on medical sociology (laughs) and Uh there's a lot to be said about women live longer. And it, a lot of it has mm-hmm. to do with how we engage with medicine a lot. We get checked up. We mm. Things are found a little bit sooner. Men who are married live longer because they have nagging wives who make doctor's appointments for them. Like single men in their 40s are just like, what? Doctor? Dentist? Never. And so a lot yeah. of things go unchecked. But then there is this right. thing where like there is a sort of power from from like medical institutions that now they have more power over women. Um, mm. And there's this trend of over medicalizing a lot of things like, um, like menopause wasn't really medicalized fifty years ago or even a hundred years ago. It wasn't male gynecologists who were delivering babies. It was female. Um, how do they call them in English? The women who help. Midwives. Yes. <laughs> like, like things that. What's in Spanish? Um, Parteras like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um but oh was I going? Yeah, and 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 just sort of medicalization as a term in sociology is something that I am very interested about because I, I tend towards the neurotic and thinking like, no, oh, the more I get checked out, the better. But it is sort of like we okay. are medicalizing conditions that really weren't conditioned. Like now there's a thing where you can be pre pregnant, right? And you go get checked out as pre pregnant and they tell you to take acid and all these things and like pre-pregnant isn't a condition it's, it's me on like I'm not pregnant and could be in the future yeah. I'm pre-pregnant is it like
1: prenatal as in you're planning for pregnancy
0: some no like some women will go get checked in they're 29 they're like oh are you married okay you should be taking this just because they assume certain things right and it's it's mm-hmm. a little bit like mm-hmm. the term pre-diabetic like mm-hmm. that's something that has become really widespread you're pre-diabetic and it's like well you're not diabetic you're just mm-hmm. getting closer to having those insulin numbers that could get you to diabetes. But now we're, we're scaring yeah. you into telling you you should be doing this, that, and taking these things. We're like, well, you're technically pre a condition. So there's just a lot of, I forgot where I was going. I just get really interested in yeah. that. like Women have been sort of like the power of doctors has been growing with them. And um, people talk yeah, about medicalization, that was the other thing because you said um, it -hmm. wouldn't be really practical to have everyone get a one-year checkup right Um, Mm -hmm. that would put a strain on resources but until and you can tell me more about this the American medical system is that you can pay for procedures there are Mm -hmm. a lot of extra things that are done in certain medical assistants, like probably not like public ones or where you get extra Mm -hmm. exams people talk about getting extra x-rays mm-hmm. that I don't really need. Um, the number of, how do you say? Um, I just, <laughs> um, what are you, what's it called when little babies get their foreskin circumcisions. Like the number of circumcisions circumcision. performed, <laughs> performed in the US That's versus right. the UK is very different. And it, a lot of it has to um, do within the UK, it's a public system. You don't You don't really need a circumcision. In America, you can sure. charge for a circumcision. So it's just kind of, it becomes yeah. a routine and then it becomes cultural. Yeah. Obviously now there's all these ideas about foreskins
1: being dirty, blah, 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 blah.
0: But like in, in Europe, right. that's right. not the case. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, it's a really okay. good point. I just
0: point. talked a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and it was all great. It was all really good. And there's so much to it. And I want to stick with the medicalization first because I think you're so right, right? It's just, you have a system that is for a, a people who then feed the system. And it builds both. And where do you, where's that line between good and too much? Because like you said, when not just if we do a regular skin exam on everybody, it's a waste of resources. It's also a waste of your time, right? If I had to go in for a regular skin exam every year, it doesn't make sense because they're not going to ever find anything on me. I might have one or two moles, and, and the chance of it becoming skin cancer is just so rare that it's just like, now you're just taking money, right? And other people's time that could have been getting things treated. So when you have that medicalization, it makes so much sense. And, and then the stigma that comes with it, with the circumscri- circumcisions of, of these little kids in the US, it, it, it's absolutely true, right? you don't need it. But okay, now if you're one out of 10 that doesn't have it, is it wrong? And it's, is it different? It's it weird. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think uh, you, you are right in that you probably experience this. It seems like you do experience this so much more naturally than men. So, so when you go in, do you feel like you already know that you have to do all those things? You feel a pressure to do all those things? Or is it, you're told once you get there to a doctor's office or a facility that you're, it's you have to do all these things. Otherwise it goes sideways.
0: Yeah. No. And to address, I think that what you said, the balance between good, like, is this preventative or is this too much? Is something that like, is definitely talked about a lot. Um, I, when you get to the gynecologist um, they tell you how often you should come back for sure. And like how often you should be checking yourself. Um, but you have to get there in the first place. And there's, there's some messaging about like, you should get checked out. I, my mom married a gynecologist. So I've been, so I know about that a lot <laughs> just from hearing yeah. those conversations. Um, and I, I tend towards neuroticism. Like I, I tend towards, I tend towards going to the doctor maybe a little bit more than I have to, or, you know, texting you or texting um, my stepdad. <laughs> like what's this, this, and this. Um, and so I, because of him, I'm also aware of the discussions that go on. Like only 10 years ago, you, even if you were younger than 30, you, sh- you were supposed to get a pap smear like every year. And now they're saying mm-hmm. you don't you, every, every few years, right? Um, or um, the more intense breast exam, where they like, how do they call it? Mammogram. Okay. Mammogram where they actually, Never. like, take your boob, smash it, and, like, and, like, I've take stance of it, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done this, because I'm, I'm almost 27, um, but I had, you know, older coworkers who were in their 40s, and they, they had to do it, you know, every year, and then it came out, you don't need it to, you need it, you don't need it every year, unless you're 50, and then there's history, but now, at that point, you're scared, because, like, your mom has been doing it every year for however long, so, like, I would be like, no, I want to do it every year. You know what I mean? So I think there's Mm -hmm. just a lot of conflicting information. There's definitely a lot of change. And I think when guidelines change, I'm sure it has to do with evidence and statistics. Like why are we doing these exams if we don't find anything? Um, I was listening to a doctor talk about HPV, how mostly Mm -hmm. everybody has it um, or that when you do have HPV, it's very rare that it actually turns into cancer. And so mm-hmm. you don't want to check people every single year because if you check people once every three years um, or women, um, it's the same. It doesn't grow that fast. So if you check them every three years, you'll kind of have the same outcome. But mm-hmm. if I hear that, I'm like, what? No, I want to get checked every year. Like, <laughs> So it's just <laughs> right, kind of like a, a lot of conflicting information. Um, that again, I'm sure has to do with like statistically, it doesn't help the outcome if we check you every year versus once every few years. Um, but, you know, if you grew up hearing that you should check this many times, or I, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know that they should be getting checked. And so there's just this huge imbalance between, um, you know, people who go get to check. I, I mean, I've taken so many STD tests that I probably didn't need just because I'm like, Oh my god like i don't i don't want to have like super gonorrhea and like right. like some people haven't had one ever so it's, right. just kind of it's
1: like i'm yeah i'm active it could happen
0: right but I, like yeah there's i i remember a guy in college who was like i've never had one in my entire life and it, it just blew my mind i'm like you're 21 i've had 500 <laughs> so i think it's just um There's not a lot of consistency in the messaging. I don't think it reaches everyone in the same way. Um, I'm thinking you were also talking about the difference between um, ethnicities and skin. Like we make these guidelines traditionally on like white men, right? Or like white populations. So if the CDC Mm -hmm. puts out a, a guideline saying like, we surveyed 500 men um and like this is how often you need to get checked and then it's like well does that apply to someone like me who is you know indian or like if because yeah. they probably did all white men <laughs> so so yeah. i i like when you were talking about that i was like recognizing like oh it is so hard to have guidelines for everybody when the generalization is going to be an issue because we're not all the same and yeah similar with women like like Hispanic women tend more towards diabetes, and Black women mm-hmm. towards heart disease, and so it's just really hard to set guidelines. And then we we all for everyone
1: yeah we all interpret for, the for everyone yeah yeah we're everyone. It's so hard. It's so hard. There's a c- comedian skit where he talks about how society has to move as slow as its slowest person, and you, you can't you know if everybody drives fast as they can. Uh, people die, right? Because somebody else who shouldn't be driving that fast will. You know, you have a ten year old or a ninety five year old, and they and they can't see, and they're still allowed to drive a certain limit. But you set speed limits, and so, and I feel like that's a lot like speed limits. It's like mm, these. This is a generally a good pace to go when there's kids running around in a school district. But, but otherwise, yeah, late at night you can go a little bit faster. Or if, and if a if couple you're in the left over, lane.
0: Like people, that is for crime. That is the, the lane for crime. But anyway, continue. <laughs> right,
1: right. You just did it, or if you're on your way or you're currently doing it, you go in the left lane. And if a cop pulls you over, it should be, you know, give or take five miles an hour, you're okay, right? I think that's the, what the adage that I was taught, seven, if you feel a little risky, but you know, that's the type A, type B. Like, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, still, I'm still trying to go a little faster. And so I think... Uh, I think it's similar to that. I think I think that's how it should be at least in my ideal system is that, yeah, these guidelines are set and everybody should be aware of them if it affects you. And I think that's what the community is for and you tell your kids and you tell the kids in the community and you grow up knowing the right things that protect you, right? I think minorities deal with a lot of that on a social level, you are taught how to survive. And it's the same thing, I think, for very fair skin people and cancer, skin cancer, is because they're taught, okay, your grandfather died of melanoma. And so that is something that is possibly lurking out there to get us. And so you should put on some sunscreen and wear a hat. And it doesn't matter if you look dorky, just wear a hat. And then you are safer from those things that are more likely to get you. And I think there are so many things, even from listening to you, that women have to deal with with the system and be aware of that it is overwhelming and a a lot of it crosses over dermatology and most of my patients are female and and i go through all that information and i'm amazed every single time because i don't have to do any amount of that and so it is also scary because i think it sensitizes you to you know how you say you like to go in frequently it's like okay all these things are out there i might as well check more often and you're not wrong right it's like if a speed limit is 35 and you want to go 25 I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. But if you want to go five or 10, then maybe you shouldn't be driving. And so I think that's where that cutoff is where I don't think you're ever wrong for getting checked out more. But I think we get to a point where maybe we shouldn't be doing it as in for our own good. Right? If you're getting checked so frequently, it, it, there could be a fear, right? That's just like, okay, what if you use that time for more therapy or more yoga or more yourself or fresh air. And maybe that is and ultimately better for you than another check with the doc who can't do anything for you in a one-year span versus a two-year span. And, and I think, and that's, I think that's everyone's own cup of tea, right? If, but if it makes you feel better to go often, I think you should be able to go because I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I'm like what you describe—the stereotype. Uh, you know, I, If I don't need to go, I won't go. I won't go. And and there's some things I think like therapy, I will, I will always go uh, whenever I get a chance. And dermatology, I'd love to go whenever I get a chance. But uh, most other stuff, uh, I'm pretty cavalier about in terms of my own health. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. Uh, But I would never suggest that to anybody, (laughs) not even to myself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, so when you go to a when you go to a guy, and when you've been to a dermatologist, what what have you found to be the difference? Not just with those doctors, but like the system, and what you're primed for, and what you were told before you go in, and and how you experience it.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. This is, I think, a good time to talk about my other experience. But I will preface okay. by saying that I most of the times that I go to the gynecologist it's it's a routine thing I've definitely gone because like oh I have a yeast infection and then they go and they check you out but which is kind of what I wanted to talk about the dermatology one it seems like you only go when there is an issue right um instead of like like the routine and I'm just gonna say like I maybe it's because they're getting really up and personal (laughs) in your business but gynecologists tend to have like a better bedside manner um, mm. but that's just been my experience
1: uh, and are they calmer or are they more inquisitive they're... about your life
0: yes but I think because I guess there's more of your life that kind of matters to your vagina like if they ask me like yeah. what type of work do you do or um like it matters if you're like sitting around in jeans all day versus if you're out working somewhere that's hot <laughs> I'm being very <laughs> but like okay how many partners do you have like do you do draws? like if they ask you about domestic violence like it's just very all-encompassing I think also again I don't know because I haven't had as many interactions with dermatologists but they are very much looking for things in their questionnaires and everything about whether you should be referred to like therapy or something like that like do you have these thoughts mm-hmm. and I think there's just so much to do with women's health and depression and anxiety that um, even taking like the the pill you know like that can cause people to have depression or mood swings or just all these little changes that can show up as as thinking that you have like PMS and it's actually depression or it's the opposite or the PMS makes some women with depression like struggle a lot that there's like a risk of suicide. So it's like, you kind of need to ask all these questions to figure out what's going on. Um, But last, this was also during the pandemic. and we gonna say like May, I had this thing that came up on my face like right by the side of my mouth. And it was like a lesion, which I thought at first it was like oral herpes. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I haven't made up with anyone It's a dynamic. <laughs> Um And I'd never had it before. <laughs> so I just like did a lot of Googling, like a lot of Googling, figured out exactly what it was, angular colitis, found out that it's because there's like, this is so gross, a pooling of saliva in your mouth which I wear a retainer because I grind my teeth because I have a lot of stress um, and have like almost chipped away all of my teeth. But I know that I drool a lot. So it just made a lot of sense that that's what it was. I Googled like who takes care of it. Like it could be either a dentist or a dermatologist. Um, I went on my like insurance thing, found out that the dermatologist I could see more quickly. Um, And when I got there, I was like, they gave me a questionnaire. It's like, why are you in for this visit? And I just wrote angular colitis. I need antibiotics and antifungal cream. Like I just knew exactly what I needed and what I had. And I went in, told the doctor, granted it was a pandemic, but he was just like, okay, like, can you pull down your mask a little bit? And he did like, like looked at it for truly five seconds. And I was like, yep, you're right. Um, I'm going to give you this, this creams that you asked for. And in that moment, like, I get it, it was a pandemic, but it did feel like, did you even look, look at me? Um, And I was, like, trying to ask all these questions, like, "Um, yeah, I think it's that, you know, I feel like it's spreading to the rest of my face. I don't know if that's true. I googled it. I couldn't find out. It's like, I mean, if it is, you can just put the cream there. And just, he didn't take any time, and I didn't know how to ask, like, hey, can you look, look at it more? Or, like, can you take me, like, how do you, I, in that moment, it was just so different from the other dermatologist who was like, "Do you have any questions?" Like asking me, this, "This is how you do it." Versus yeah. this dermatologist, it felt like he was just trying to speed it up. Um, I, I get it; as a pandemic, you don't want to get too close to my face. But I was like, I didn't know how to. I was like, "Can you look at it again?" Like,
1: right, right. I'm sure you saw it. Did you, yeah. You look up, and you... <laughs> yeah,
0: because he was like basically saying it could be a bacterial or a fungal infection. Since I don't know, I'm just going to give you both. Which I don't know if that's a fair thing to do. But at that moment, I was like, well, can you figure it out? <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, like you need you're
1: to... flipping a coin.
0: Right. Like, do you, do you need to take a, a, a you know, like a, a specimen or whatever, send it to the lab? I don't know. I'm the one freaking out over here. Have, like, <laughs> I just basically diagnosed myself and you were like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. So was like, like, in that moment, like, what would you recommend for someone to do? Like, do you stand your ground yeah. and you're like, hey.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my visceral instinct says stand your ground and ask what you deserve because it's your time. So you got to do it. But my practical instinct, if, if I were to like, give advice, because I've never been in that situation, right? And I'm, and I'm standing on the other side. And I hope that my patient has not been in that situation because I, I try to take the time. Uh, but in that moment, I do not know. I do not know. If, if my patients were ever in that situation, it's not because I tried to. And I think in that moment, I would not be offended if you he he said, hey, hey, can you actually take a look, say, you know, I, I, I know you probably see this all the time, but I don't, and I'm concerned. And now that is not your job. That is not your job. That is not what you came in to do. You do not have to help coach them to help you. That is not your job. And that is what your dermatologist should be trained to do. I think that's what your doctors, it sounds like all your ob are trained to do. They take the time, they really pry and they take time. I'll say with derm, the system has, I think, devalued our skin so much that it has put a certain amount of time on how valuable the skin is. And for ob it probably feels like a long time because you have 10, 15, 20 minutes with the obigiane or half an hour an hour with some. With Derm, there's some derms who are down to 10 minutes with a patient, 15 minutes with a patient. And it's is that enough time for some people? Some patients, yeah, sure. If you come in and be like, hey, I want these creams and I don't care if you look at it or not, I just want the creams. I'm like, all right, you, you figured it out in 10 minutes. But just to get through somebody's name and what's going on, it takes so much time. I, you know, I, it's incredible how much is asked of patients and doctors and the, of people by the system, and it's not fair. Because I think everybody with a chronic skin problem deserves therapy. I think they go hand in hand, and I think if you are stressed out about your skin, which makes your skin more stressed out, then you need to decrease the stress. How else do you do that with therapy? I, I will happily give you all the creams i can to decrease what's happening in your skin but the cause is your stress and and the system doesn't recognize that and the system doesn't give you therapy and doesn't count it as valid it doesn't pay for it and so it is i think so deeply flawed in that manner but it doesn't excuse this patient 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 to doctor interaction person to person right two humans i think I want to sit down with the person and I want it to feel like it's coffee. Like you ask me a question, I'll give you my best answer at my best shot. And then I'll ask you a question and I hope you do the same. And then we'll finish the coffee and we'll go. I don't want a full meal. I don't think we need to sit here and get into to everything uh, because of the time constraints. But but I definitely want to have some coffee. I'm more of a tea guy. I don't really do Uh, caffeine, I I get, I crash a lot really easily, Um, but uh, I think, I think in those moments, do, how, did you, when did you get a sense, between those two doctors that you had, between the two dermatologists, when did you get a sense that it was different? Was it right when the person walked through the door, was it days afterwards? Um,
0: I think it was definitely, when he walked into the room, he, he had the questionnaire that I filled out in hand and he just went like, oh, so you have angular colitis, right? The other doctor came in saying like, how have you been this pandemic? Like, I'm going to be wearing this mask. You keep yours, yours on. You're just going to take it off. Like, uh, it was a huge difference. Um, yeah. And again, I think the other doctor, he just asked me to, he was just prescribing retinol. I don't know if he was just checking that. I don't know but this one, I was like this specific thing. He didn't, like I said, like looked at it for three seconds. And it's wild to me that you're right, that they have like a specific set of time for each patient, regardless of what they're coming in for. Um, but in that moment, and we've talked about this, when you have a skin condition, you feel so like exposed. <laughs> like it was, I was feeling so much like self stigma or like, I remember I was seeing this guy that hadn't seen in six months and like the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm hideous. I have this thing on his face. I was just so aware of having this thing on my face. And when he couldn't even look at it for three seconds, I was like, I am disgusting. (laughs) Like, it just kind of reinforces that, like intellectually, I know that he's seen this. He's seen probably worse. But in that moment, you just like you, you go in thinking you're gross. And then he barely wants to look at it. You feel gross so it's just yeah. like I think the whole interaction was super different um, and then at the yeah, end I,
1: never, I haven't thought
0: about that at the end he said um, I was like okay I'm going to put it on for however many days a week twice a day whatever blah 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 and he was like so I was like okay like do you need me to come back like how do you know how do we know it's gone that it's not going to come back and just said well if it's, if it's still there in 15 days you make an appointment like I don't know. It, the, to me, it's like, like maybe okay. I'll see
1: it. Maybe I won't.
0: Yeah. It was kind of like, good luck. Hope it works. And I was like, so, cause this like not work. Like, I almost yeah. lost my mind. <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: um, right. Could be any of these three things. We'll do all of them. And you're on your own.
0: Right. He was like, well, if it's still there after the treatment that I just pre- prescribed to you, you should come back. And I'm like, but that means it failed. Like, what is it? What is <laughs> like, not like okay, it should be gone with this many days. Like if it's still there, like maybe you can shoot me an email and I can tell you what. Like I don't know. Um,
1: you know, you know. It's I feel the same when I call customer service. You know, when you call and and medicine, no matter what people say, is a customer service job, right? There is a clear customer, and you are there to help them. And when I call customer service. Everybody has their own nightmare stories about customer service, and, and I bet being on the, I know being on the other side of customer service is rough because medicine, I think sometimes is underestimated how brutal it can be. And what sometimes when you call, you get somebody who just wants to help you. They're the sweetest thing in the world, and usually they're in the South and they're just the sweetest people and they're just like, and they brighten up my day and they help me, they change my flight and they'll also upgrade me to a seat next to my friend and they're so nice and then other times they'll tell you all the things you can't do they'll be like nope can't do that and be like do you have your password I'm like no I haven't called you guys in like three years I'm like all right well without your password you can't get in what like, is there any other way <laughs> it's like count I'm paying for this and they're like I was like, "Can I give you my license or my ID number or something?" They're like, "Oh yeah, we could do that." I'd be like, "Okay, why didn't you tell yeah. me that?" Right? <laughs> they, it's they, it's like, like some people just want to be like bridge trolls, where they're just like, "You cannot pass." Like that's what my position is, and and it happens in customer service when you're calling for flights, and it happens with doctors, and it's all people, all, all the same, and and I think that's where it's very frustrating because you're in that situation and you just waited for that doctor's appointment for months and you didn't go somewhere else and they didn't spend enough time with you. And that's so frustrating. And I, and I think more and more, I hope that doesn't happen because now there's uh, reviews and there's people's presence online. And, and I was personally, I, I just started practicing in my residency and I am happy, super happy to talk about stuff because I don't know anything. And uh, in ter- in relative to my field, uh, people who've been practicing for 50 years. And so for that, I- I'm really humbled and I'm able to speak, I hope, freely. Um, but I think when, when they're so stuck in their ways and they're, and they're burnt out and they're jaded and they don't c- care enough and, they, and, and, and the system burns out I and mean, burnout is real. Um, but they don't they don't put themselves out there. And I think it sounds like with your two derms, one is willing to be there completely and putting themselves out there and and you could feel it. I I think you could feel that with people, right? Like I love Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, where he takes a look at a professor. There's a site that took a look at a Berkeley professor and they had students who had the professor for a semester rate the professor. And then they had students who watched the professor on a video lecture for one lecture and then rate the professor. And then they had students rate the professor after watching a 10 second silent clip. And all the ratings were the same. And you get a feel as soon as you talk to somebody, okay, this person's on my team. Or this person is just gonna be difficult today. This is gonna suck. And And I wish we, had more ways to figuring out what people feel like, because I, I, that's how I judge people. You mentioned
0: something about people being like a little bit more jaded and okay. Just you, how do you feel when a patient comes in kind of like how I did, like, here's what I Googled and here's what I believe I have. And I'm pretty sure I have it. Like, is that annoying to you? Or are you like, Oh, like you did your research. Like what are your feelings?
1: That's a great question because I don't get this a lot in my population. Uh, it's it's it, they don't have that access and so they don't come in with this. But I do I do get some patients with it and so it's very memorable. And usually they're young and they are smart and they are have access to a lot of technology and they're and I think that rightfully so and they get a lot of information. So they come in and they believe that and they will tell me the diagnosis and. I think there's a tone. I think there's one out of all of those patients had a really angry tone where they already thought that I was gonna get in the way of what was going on. And I think that one was tough because I, I did not argue with them but it takes away my ability to help because I, I now I'm here to you know fill out some forms for you and censor stuff, which I can do, but it doesn't open up a lot of doors for me to give my input. But the other ones I think are, some of my favorite patients. They're just so friendly, so easy to work with. They care about their condition and they want to fix it and they're dedicated and they research stuff and they're smart. And I think that is incredible. And so I personally love it. And I think my goal in those and what I try to do is I try to redirect or focus their energy and say, okay, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have angular colitis. This is probably what you're gonna encounter in the next few weeks. It could go this way, it could get worse, it could get better with the bacterial cream, or if that doesn't, you could try the fungal cream, but this is what you expect. And if, it, if you don't see this, then you know this is what you should do. And it's, it's given it us a game plan, instead of saying, okay, this has gotta work, otherwise you're on your own. It's, it's more of a, I get this is tough, Um, and knowledge is power for you. Let's get you the knowledge that you need to fight this on your own. And then if you want to see me, I will be here and we'll take this another step. And I think that is so difficult to do when things are moving so fast that also people get defensive. I think if somebody comes to me, right? my job, And you don't want anybody to tell you how to do your job. I think that's what a common sense, right? It's like, don't tell me how to do my job. Um, and I but I, I think that's just you know doctors being defensive because they did, like we said a lot of type A's a lot of type A docs oh man I, mean, I went to medical school with my sister we we're in the same class my sister oh. and I are very very close yeah we we're very very close we, were, we did medical school I don't think a lot of people get to say that but we uh, when we're in high school together and then separate for college and then we're in the same class and she's a year older than me Um, And we, and they did a lot at Temple by alphabetical order. And so we were in the same groups. And my sister is an extremely good student. She takes notes. She reads ahead of time. She sits in the front of the class and true story in sophomore year of high school, I sat behind her in calculus and I saw how many pencils I could get into her hair in one class. And that is the type of student I am. I don't have that Capacity to sit in a lecture, I just can't do it, and and we are very different. And I think most people in medicine were more Type A her than her. They're in so intensely Type A, and they read and they studied and they dedicated their whole lives to this for so many years. So when somebody comes in and they're tired and they haven't had their coffee and they're, you know, moving or have a baby on the way, and they're tired whatever it is, or maybe it's just a Tuesday and somebody comes in and yeah. they're like, I want these things. they be like, they get so, you react. It's an emotional reaction. And I don't blame them for that either. I think, uh, hopefully it doesn't happen often, but with so many people, it's so variable and your two yeah. experiences are so different. So, so you had the two experiences. Is that because you switched doctors or are you going to go back to the one that you had a really good time with?
0: Um, at the time it was because because of my insurance honestly uh Mm. it's it was one of those weird like super high deductible and then you can kind of choose whatever but it was like who's the quickest person I can see um when I had the angular colitis so I just went to a new person and then now I've switched to Kaiser and moved to San Francisco so so, yeah, I mean, if definitely if I had wanted to go back to a dermatologist, I would have gone to the first one. I also left him like a really lovely Yelp review because I was like, oh, was so great. <laughs> like this was after I had the other dermatologist appointment because I was like, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But I wait, really, really much. quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I brought this up because I think that the Internet has like democratized a lot of knowledge um I do see the issue where like a lot of people don't know how to read studies um so it's very easy to like read something on the internet not clock that that study was done on 13 people of you know Amish you know like you know what I mean it's like so specific that's not Um, but my mom's husband who's a doctor <laughs> he has this uh, mug <laughs> that says like I didn't get my medical degree from Google university <laughs> and it's just um we we don't fight we did we have discussions about like when women come in to see him because he's a gynecologist and they have all these ideas and he gets very annoyed um and i'm saying hey sure. they're like they're it's a good thing that they're like looking into it that they have all this knowledge at their fingertips like but this is my job and like i think i think when you go in like this is what i found on google you should be open to changing your mind obviously
1: yeah yeah but, that's the hard part
0: but the fact that he has his mug <laughs> <laughs> it just drives me crazy but i'm like is it a generational thing or like you said like a personality
1: yeah, yeah or oh, maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, i think it's a, also their field right like in, in dermatology when you come in and you say you have angular colitis, like okay, you know it, that's it's, it's not harmful. We can take care of that if you're right or wrong. It'll be okay. You but I, when I worked engineer and I had patients who come in, they're like, I have cancer. Like, why? Why do you think you have cancer? It's like, it's like, well, you know, my neck was itchy the other day. And it's like. I don't know where to start. I I just don't know what. Um, what, WebMD will tell you you
0: have cancer for literally (laughs) (laughs)
1: anything. I I know it's just like the jump from an itchy neck to cancer that you made. There's so many steps that, like, I don't know where we're starting. Like, you tell me where you want to start, and we'll take a shot at it. And and I bet after a while, you know, when you're practicing an OB/GYN for so many years, you're just so tired of trying to figure out the steps you're like, look. <laughs> so,
0: right. I also wonder like, because he, you know, gets a lot of people like, I've been taking these supplements, blah, 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 for this and that, and stop taking my medication. Like if someone came in to see you and was like, actually stop using that cream that you gave me and I've been applying Windex. <laughs> like right, that right. that Greek <laughs> that wedding movie where it's like you just you just put Windex on it. It's like better. Then I guess you might <laughs> yeah, be a little bit like big
1: fat Greek wedding.
0: Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> um okay
1: have you seen house
0: um I never saw it like thoroughly but I saw it when it was like at the gym or something like I know (laughs) I know the structure is someone comes in with crazy disease he says it's lupus Uh nobody believes him, and then it's
1: lupus yeah yeah Yeah, that's a great (laughs) that's pretty much it that's very much it. And then they'll have him see clinic patients where he'll just do quick visits and he's always annoyed and they, they have them the most ridiculous patients. But I bet, yeah, every single one of the scenarios that they have on that show has happened. And it's like, you know how unpredictable people are. And just imagine the things that people come up with. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, people uh, but it's, were it's always an entertaining.
0: Bleach, right? For COVID.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. That insanity could be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's just like, but you know, sometimes people are okay. right. <laughs> I did have
0: one more question and then we're going to get to our first listener question. Well, technically two questions right now. So post appointment behavior. Um, do you get annoyed if people email you a whole bunch after? What are good questions to ask over email versus like, you should make a follow-up appointment.
1: That's a really good question. I think, If you can put your email into one or two sentences, that's appropriate for an email. I think if anything more than that, it's one, a lot to read and to concentrate on. Um, and two, because I, I think if I'm in the middle of other patients, you're going to want my full attention if it, it is an important issue for you. And I think you don't know what you're getting when somebody answers an email. And also when I'm answering an email, it's not the same as me seeing you in person. You don't have my full attention because emails, but two, I, I think if it is a long question and it's hard to tell what the content is for for a patient to know whether you should come in or not. But if it's a long question, then, I'm sorry, there's a horn going off. Oh, there's been a
0: garbage truck outside of my place where, (laughs) okay.
1: Oh, I can't hear that one. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think if it's a long question, it it means that you just want more time. I, I see all these encounters by time, and I know a lot of doctors don't like telehealth because the communication is just not the same. And I think when you come in and I can see, I can hear the anxiety or or sadness in your voice. I know how much it's affecting you. Then I know how aggressive that we want to be oftentimes. Sometimes there's lots of treatments, but they're different in terms of aggressiveness. Some people want, okay, let's do this as aggressive as possible. I don't care if I have like a little bit of side effects for a week, let's just get this done. Other people are like, I want as low side effects as possible. I want no side effects. I want this to be super safe. I'm really afraid of steroids or medications. Let's take as long as we need. That's fine too. But I don't know that. And I think a lot of doctors don't ask questions for that. Maybe we're not trained to, uh, but I think also we're classically trained to speak with you in person and then you get a feel for it and again i think everybody can get a feel for that it's not doctor training but you sit in a room with somebody you can feel stress
0: right.
1: you know yeah you don't have to you don't even have to listen to anything and oh man it's like the tension in a room between two people
0: or like when you're texting when, and there's no emoji and you sound like yeah oh. you keep texting
1: you know text emoji right yeah <laughs> then you just assume i'm angry
0: <laughs> okay and then uh, the last follow-up question says, do you have a bunch of gross rash pictures in your inbox
1: from people? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, my entire inbox, my, all my photos of my phone. I, I do never, I never have pictures of my phone. Uh, I oftentimes I'm reading textbooks on airplanes and a picture of a rash on genitals will pop up or a child will pop up and it is not ever going well. (laughs) <laughs> if somebody's looking around because they're very vibrant pictures and they're in it's been a bunch of text, but
0: i just can't imagine uh, you're opening an email somewhere in public and someone just emails you
1: like a picture all the time, <laughs> all, the time. all the time all the time i have stopped uh, I, I i cannot hand my phone to anybody now because if they look through it's just <laughs> it's not good for anybody there's so, these yes. um
0: <laughs> covers or like the the glass of the this is how much i know about iphones where you can make it like dark so that only you can see like people can't you know people do it if you oh, don't want people to read it but if you don't want people to see the rashes and you want to open them in public
1: <laughs> uh, yeah okay. I, I need to stop doing I just stopped reading now in public like no cafes I'm not allowed to study in cafes I haven't been <laughs> kicked out of any yet <laughs> it's been COVID luckily but <laughs>
0: yeah okay so we do have a listener question and I'm going to read it now and then we're going to so answer sad. it and send more listener right. questions to pod at gmail.com or through the Instagram DMs at getintoyourskinpod on Instagram.
1: Okay. Yes, hey. please send. Send. Or what? Yes. Yes. Please send questions.
0: Okay. Hey, Isabel and Kumar. I'm a 31-year-old man who still struggles with mild to severe acne on my upper back. It's something I've always been insecure about. I figured there would be no possible way I'd still have acne at 30, but here I am. I've been to a dermatologist who prescribed doxycycline. Okay. Doxycycline. Doxycycline, which I took for a year and didn't didn't seem to have much of an effect. I'm considering taking accutane, but I'm concerned given all the side effects that people I know have experienced from it. Do you have any recommendations for someone in my situation? Or any remedies that have worked for someone like me, peace, um, you know Michael Jackson, that's pseudonym.
1: Oh, okay. Michael Jackson, <laughs> great question. So, so back acne and doxycycline, and they suggested isotretinoin. Did he take it? What? Did Michael? Did Michael Jackson take the isotretinoin?
0: Doxycycline. Took this for about a year. <laughs> doxycycline <laughs> took for about a year and didn't didn't seem to have much of an effect. What what is doxycycline? I keep
1: butchering so, it. Yeah. So so great. So great question. Okay, so Michael, Michael's got Michael's got back acne. And so, so there's so many parts of this that I, I can't wait to talk about. Uh, so doxycycline first is a very commonly prescribed medication by dermatologists. So I know a lot of people, uh, when they hear this, they will know what doxycycline is. And mixed opinions about it from patients, I I believe, based on how how you look at it. Uh, But uh, dermatologists love it. We give it to everybody. We give it to everybody. Now, uh, I'll tell you why there's mixed, mixed opinions. My patients, when I give them doxycycline, they do like it. I think there's mixed opinions in social media or overall because it is an antibiotic. So doxycycline is a commonly prescribed antibiotic. It's quite versatile. So it's used not just for dermatology, but also other uh, and higher uh, dosages for other specialties in general medicine for infections. But dermatologists use it as sub-antibiotic dose. And so we do not use it to kill the bacteria, though it does help with that, but we use it for a long period of time at a lower, safer dose to be anti-inflammatory.
0: So, so that the you, acne isn't caused yeah. by bacteria, it's you're trying to get at the inflammation.
1: Correct, so, so correct in part, the acne does involve bacteria, that is one of the causes, but there's also inflammation around acne, whether there is the P. acne's bacteria involved or not, there's inflammation everywhere. And the doxycycline decreases all of that. And so even if the bacteria is there and it's getting killed a little bit bit by the doxycycline, it won't cause as much damage and it won't show up as pimples on your face. That's the hope and that's the goal. And it does pretty good job of it. There's some of my patients, they email me and call me and they see me in person and they just want the doxycycline and they wanna be on that as long as possible. It is an antibiotic, so we don't wanna build up resistance and we don't wanna do that for as long as possible. So it's meant to be a short-term, let's calm everything down. So really great medication. It's not a long-term fix. It's just to figure out a few months till we get your skin on the right system for your skin and get it healthier. In the meantime, we're just gonna calm everything down and kind of like a freeze. So that's the doxycycline. Great. He was on it. I'm a big proponent of it. Uh, well-tolerated. Not a lot of side effects could cause some GI upset. And, and, and that's a whole other conversation about side effects. This is one of those medications where it's not going to kill you. If you are experiencing some type of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, you want to figure out how bad is that for you? Are you willing to do a little bit of nausea for what the doxycycline does for you? Are you not willing to do the nausea? It's completely up to you. You're not wrong for any choice you make. I have a very low pain tolerance. I learned that in college and I was told that and it was very true. And if I experience a little bit of pain, I don't want to do something, but I'm not wrong for that. But also that pain is not going to kill me. I can tolerate a little bit more. So same thing with the GI distress. So that's doxycycline. I think what's super interesting about this question is the isotretinoin so the which one that maybe he called it accutane
0: yes <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: the Accutane. okay okay so what do you know about accutane
0: um okay so actually talking about i'm just gonna call it doxy um talking yeah. about doxy i knew that my sister who's getting married in about a month she just started taking it i didn't know that's what it was called she just told me i'm gonna start taking antibiotics so like it clocks now that it's a She wants to look good for her Um, wedding. But I do know about acutine. it's called something else in Mexico, it's I'm guessing it's the same thing. Um, She took it when she was a teenager, like 15, 16. Um, I know that it can dry out your skin, but that it really worked for her. Like that was something that she was on for a long time. It like really worked for her, but basically was asked like, don't get pregnant um uh, I think that was about it um I, a friend a guy a friend who took it said that he had to go through some sort of counseling to sort of emphasize that he understood that if he made a baby while an Accutane, the baby might be deformed I could have put that in better terms but
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I think I think you said it great <laughs> I think I think you nailed it yeah so it's it's You mentioned it much earlier, the retinoids. That retinoid family is pretty much vitamin A derivative. We just give it in large doses. And when given in large doses, it's very good for the skin. It's the number one vitamin for the skin. I know vitamin C serum is really important and popular and glycolic acid and all this stuff. But retinoids is actually vitamin A and is the most important, most effective vitamin that your skin can ask for. It's everything. It's absolutely incredible. In cream form, they're retinoids. But isotretinoin is the pill form. It's the oral form. And that's the big gun. That's pretty much the closest thing to a cure for acne that has ever existed. And as far as people can see, will ever exist. It's absolutely incredible. Like you said, for your sister. And so the isotretinoin, it is supposed to dry out your skin. You want it to. So it shrinks all the sweat glands and it eradicates all of the balloons that collect acne or collect sweat and sebum and dirt and then form acne. And so it gets rid of all that. So it squeezes all that out. dries everything, um, shrinks your pores. It, it does all the things that we want to do for acne. But yes, crazy side effects if taken incorrectly. And so vitamin A, not only being wonderful for our skin, is also terrible for fetuses. Absolutely terrible for fetuses. So it's pretty much guaranteed if you're on isotretinoin and you have a kid there, it is going to be deformed. Or most likely it's not going to survive birth. And there are some gnarly pictures online. It, they come out without limbs, and these are pictures from years and years and decades ago. Because nobody nowadays will have a kid on accident.
0: I'm thinking I, I shouldn't look them up, but I will 100% look them up and be traumatized. You, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, if, if you want to see some crazy stuff, it's and that, and it's sad. But at the same time, it was never living. It was just not, you know, not going to make it. And however, you feel about abortion, it, it's, I mean, it's it's pretty much an abortive, and so. It is an absolutely powerful teratogen, which is the word for um, messing up babies. And it is one of the strongest. And so you have to go through so much counseling, paperwork, the government is involved, there's regulation, all for this pill, mostly for women. 99 to one woman are having the amount of work that the women have to put in compared to what guys have to put in in order to get this pill. So it's heavily regulated. And and I'll be clear, there are much stronger medications out there that are worse for kids and that can screw you up too, that you don't have to do all this paperwork for. And and that is just because the way the government has done it because of this crazy story. Have you heard this crazy story? With isotretinoin and Senator, Congressman? No. <laughs> okay. so So there's a is a crazy story which is true which is true and uh a senator or congressman's son was on accutane during his teenage years and committed suicide okay. and because of that there was the senator or congressman made it his mission to get regulations on accutane because he saw it as a dangerous drug and that is Yeah, you have thoughts.
0: No, so it's one of the side effects, like depression or?
1: That's, so we'll get into that. We'll get into that. The the story gets crazier. The story gets (laughs) weirder. So, so goes on this rampage, uh, uh, government rampage and gets the stuff, gets all these regulations. And I'm talking tough regulations. If you are a woman trying to get Accutane, it is, it is tough. Part of me was also Uh,
0: like, isn't that convenient? But when people in Flint, Michigan can't drink water, but they're not, you know personally affected. There's no, okay. There's no crusade. Yeah, nothing happens.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, nothing happens. So if you are a woman who wants to get Accutane, you have to go through a bunch of counseling. They likely won't give you the Accutane that day, but most, they cannot, legally they cannot. You have to go through a bunch of counseling. Probably you'll have to come back to another appointment whenever you get that, go through more counseling, sign all of these forms that you've read this thick booklet that they give you, sign all these forms, uh, initial you have your doctor explain everything to you they your is registered to a government site you have to register using your social security everything the government will track you and you have to answer these questions that is pretty much a quiz to stump you and on how you're going to use the birth control you have to have two forms of birth control so you have if you're not on the pill you have to go on the pill most often and There's then you have to use a lot of times
0: fixes the acne
1: but which, which a lot of times but, helps the acne. That's okay. actually true. Okay, okay. So, a lot of times so side effects.
0: So condoms count.
1: Condoms count as one okay. as a secondary okay. form, but you need a primary. Oh, but so, guys two.
0: don't. It's just, it's just no. okay. I use condoms. They don't have to.
1: You don't. You don't have yeah. to say your birth control. You don't even have to tell anybody your sex, what you do, and your birth control. You don't have to say any of that. For a woman, you have to discuss your sexual activity. You have to.
0: What if you're like through... I'm a lesbian? I don't need birth control
1: yeah (laughs) it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah you you can have your tubes tied you can be a lesbian your husband your husband can have a vasectomy this is all true cases Uh, and you will still need to go through the same stuff you can have your uterus out completely and you still need to go through this
0: and this is because of governmental regulations not because the company is trying to avoid a, a class action suit or
1: whatever it's called no no this is there there hasn't been okay so so it's so it gets crazy right so so government's involved and you have to go through all this regulation you have to get a pregnancy test every single month you have to come see me you got to check what's going on you have to ask you all these questions that are super super rare side effects if you have to get all this done and do they pay for the pregnancy that tests?
0: That, they're expensive
1: no. yeah okay. you're doing all this on your own you gotta, and then if you miss a question or if you miss a period of picking up your prescription on time within a few days of it being prescribed, you get locked out for a month, and you can't take that, you can't get this again. You have to go through the whole process in a month. It is unbelievable how many hoops and, and how much of a headache it is for patients, and it's just terrible. And if you're a guy, you walk in, and you say, "Hey, I want Accutane. They give it to you that day, send them the prescription. Maybe they'll give you the packet, say, "Look for counseling," but no, there's none of it. You don't have to come check back. You have to check in with me every month because you're not allowed to give it to somebody else. You have else to show like them your female. Tinder and be
0: like, see, I haven't hooked up with <laughs> any. Yeah, <laughs> no.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm heterosexual and I'm into this. Nothing. You don't have to do anything. It, it is It is so unfair. that That's, that, if that's not just, I mean, I understand that there is a different body mechanism, but to some extent, we need to trust people when they say that they can do something responsibly.
0: Right, but like it takes two people to have a baby, but the onus is on the women taking the Accutane to not. And I understand that the government wants to protect people from not having like losing a pregnancy that is wanted, but this is also just so much like fear that women will try and abort using this thing. Like it's just so much control over women's body. That's just so infuriating.
1: It's the same thing we were talking about before. It's like how much are you doing good and how much are you causing harm? Because all I have patients who are, are have to take time off and, and have to find a babysitter for the kids so they can come in every single month and get me and pee on a stick. So that even though their husband has a vasectomy and they're, they they don't want any more kids and they have a hysterectomy and they're still peeing on a stick and coming in and spending money and time. Just having and, and, a hysterectomy.
0: <laughs> It oh doesn't God. matter.
1: Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's un- it just doesn't make any sense. And so, but what's even more infuriating is that the senator's son never took the pills. He just had a prescription. He was pres- He had a prescription. He Ooh. never took the pills. Since <laughs> then, there has been countless studies looking at psych changes, like suicide ideation, depression rates. And these pills and there's no association over and over again they prove it but it's government so heavily government regulated so that's yeah it's it's unbelievable
0: that is what that is crazy especially because you said like there's so many other medications that have actual like death and suicide as side effects or just aren't oh my god like oxy oxycodone cotton i don't know how to pronounce it but like yeah. are just why make this private now we have like an epidemic right. of right. addiction but like oh no yeah. accutane the women might accidentally get pregnant like
1: right, like, right. yeah right. This day, yeah it's absolutely nice. and oh my god it's absolutely you're absolutely right i mean we have this epidemic this documentaries people have died and then there's accutane, and, there's accutane. <laughs> it's, it, and you know what's even so it's so funny and frustrating is that Oftentimes, as a teenager, you have depression. You're going through puberty. There's bullying at school. There's your school's difficult to like AP classes, whatever you're doing. You're going through puberty. It's tough. Depression is common. Suicide is not is more common than it should be, but it's common. It's also like
0: after the fact, having a suicide in my family, it's like you will go to any length to make sense of it. And Mm -hmm this senator caused a lot of harm is causing with the but like he was just trying to like find not blame himself or blame like it's so much easier to say it was the accuracy and then like my my son was unhappy because of xyz yeah. but yeah absolutely <laughs> but this is why like uh, the people who have so much power okay <laughs>
1: we don't have to <laughs> we don't have to rail <laughs> you're against right, you're yeah, you're, you're right. You know, because you think like, you know, it's and I I get it. Like your, your son died and I can never imagine what that feels like. And I hope I never have to imagine how that feels. But you, when you go on the crusade, that, that could be righteous. But there are so many people have to sign off on this thing. So many people that have doctors, lawyers, Congress people have to sign off on this. And to this day, it hasn't been overturned. It's been decades. And now everybody else has to deal with it
0: right right that that like the evidence and the science can't prevail over like just this law that was passed in a very like emotional critical moment it's like
1: mm-hmm. but oh well mm-hmm. okay yeah so one day one day
0: okay wait oh, so God. you mentioned okay
1: it got through that
0: tell me if i understand correctly <laughs> <laughs> accutane is Acutane like, gets me riled up accutane is retinol in pill form times a thousand
1: yes that's a good way to look at it could
0: michael theoretically put retinol on his back or is that just too much too much
1: surface yeah you know that's a great question and without looking at him i cannot tell him the answer to that and i mean that earnestly based on severity and He may have already tried benzoyl peroxide. I think that is the easy start because it is the lowest bar. Everybody can just give it a shot. You can get it over the counter. And if you have back acne, you put that on your back and it can really help. What is it? Benzoyl peroxide is a uh, common acne medication where it is very drying. It can be irritating, but it kills bacteria. Oh, wow. It kills bacteria, it is not antibiotic because it's not a chemical killing of the bacteria. It's a physical perforation of the cell wall, but that is not necessary to know. It is not, but it's not an antibiotic. And it, but it kills bacteria. There's no resistance building to it. So it is very safe to use as a society and as individuals. It can be a little irritating, especially if you have lighter skin, but you put it on your back and leave it on there. It could be a gel or you can get a wash from over the counter and you can use it on your back and leave it on there for uh some time before you wash it off and it'll kill some bacteria so it's great it's a great start oftentimes it doesn't work so that's where you go to the doxycycline uh which is a great pill like we talked about and if, but along with the doxycycline that's only going to get you better for a little amount of time you could try the estotretinoin if you qualify for it you don't want to bring isotretinoin it's kind of like a nuclear warhead okay and so it, if it's just a little bit of acne which can feel like a lot but if it looks like small acne let's say not a little bit emotionally but small small little guys then the would just be overkill okay. it'll just dry everything else out like your face and, and your lips and nose and everything will get dry isotretinoin regardless of how we talked about it, it's still a very very strong drop so, so that's isotretinoin. Oh, apologies.
0: Oh, it's on your computer?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's on my computer. So uh, so isotretinoin is a still a really strong drug. But you can use the topical uh, retinoids, but it's just not strong enough to penetrate the back oftentimes because the back is really thick.
0: Okay. So if Michael has tried doxy... a year didn't have a a lot of effect has tried benzoyl peroxide you would say like don't plan to have a baby and do (laughs) Accutane.
1: i'd say michael i wish i could help you more come see me try benzoyl peroxide (laughs) try some salicylic acid wash it's worth a shot and then if it doesn't work come see me
0: okay Um, and there is this one question, which I know my sister has talked about, um, but he says he's 30 and he thought the acne wouldn't be there by 30. My sister is also 30, 31, 30, let's say 30. I think she's 30. Um, and she has the same thing where she's like, I was kind of told at 15 that this would be gone by age 25. Like, why do we think that? Why isn't it true for some people?
1: Yeah, I think, oh, man, I think that is going to open up a whole can of words that I, I want to chat more about. And I, and this is where I think I would love to get your input because it's so stress in society and sociology related. Uh, so I think we should stop there because okay. I need to get going.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Thank you for answering these questions. I hope Michael Jackson can clear his back acne soon. <laughs> Good luck, Michael. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, please just rate, review, and subscribe to the Get Into Your Skin pod and follow us on Instagram and email your questions to pod at gmail.com. <laughs> I didn't write this down, so I'm just doing it from memory. But yeah, um, share it, put it on your Instagram story give it to friends even though they're like i don't listen to podcasts well you can listen to this one um and we'll talk soon bye
1: bye